This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll Shalom Aleichem, my sweetest friends, as every week, unfortunately, we're fighting a war that we never wanted. And may Hashem continue to bless our soldiers with success in the battlefield, to return the captives safe and whole, to heal the sick and the injured, to comfort those that lost their loved ones. This story took place around 150 years ago in Poland, but there was a couple, Gittel and Shlomi, who had a son named Yankiv, and Yankiv was a nice boy. He grew up religious like everyone else in the family. And then when he was 18, something happened to him. He started asking questions about God and religion. Questions like, does God really care if I eat a cheeseburger? Does God really care if I don't keep Shabbos? And those questions bothered him. And at the same time, there was a movement called the Enlightenment. And Jews throughout Europe were throwing off the yoke of being a religious Jew and embracing the new opportunity of simply being a citizen and a secular person or a Christian like everyone else. When Yankiv's parents said to him, what happened? He said, you know, you with your emuna, your faith, and your trust in God, that's how the old generation thinks. But I'm a young man, and in my generation, we have to understand why we do things. We have philosophy, and we have culture, and we have music and science, and that's much stronger than any of your faith or trust in Hashem. And even though his parents told him that Hashem does care if you keep Shabbos, and Hashem does care if you keep kosher, he didn't care. As far as he was concerned, there was no God. And one day he came back home after hanging out with his new friends, feeling truly free, like he'd never felt in his whole life. He felt like he was really himself. And when he came home, he looked different this time. He had shaved his face, which he'd never done before. He cut off his payas, his side locks. He didn't have a kippah or tzitziot. And he was wearing a suit, the most modern suit that was available at the time. And when he walked in the house, his parents were shocked to see their son. They said, Yankiv, what happened to you? And he said, I've given up Torah and Judaism. I'm going to stay with my new open-minded friends and start a new life of philosophy and science. And his mother, Gittel, she was shocked and she just started crying. And the father, Shlomi, he tried to argue with his son, but it didn't help. And Shlomi says to Yankiv, why didn't you spend some time talking with us before you made such a big decision? And he tried to argue. He said, do you think all of the great rabbis and all the tzaddikim and all the rebbies, you think that Moshe, and Yeshayahu, and Rabbi Akiva, and the Rambam. You think everyone was wrong? All these years, they all got it wrong? And you, Yankiv, you got it right? And Yankiv looked at his parents and he said, I'm no longer Yankiv. Now you will call me Jacob. And the parents didn't know what to do. They were davening. They were giving tzedakah. And they were hoping that something would change in their son. But after a few months, not only did nothing change, but Yankiv, who was now Jacob, came home and told his parents, Wish me a mazel tov. I'm getting married. They said, Really? Who are you getting married to? He said, The pharmacist's daughter. They said, Yankiv, the pharmacist's daughter isn't even Jewish. And Yankiv said, Yes, of course. I don't care if she's Jewish. She's beautiful. And she's wonderful. And she's charming. And she loves me. 
And you know one of the best parts about her? She doesn't come with all the Jewish guilt that you're putting on me. Shloimi, the father, got angry. He told Yankiv to get out of the house. He didn't want to see him anymore. And get to the mother. She was crying worse than the first time. But as far as Yankiv was concerned, he knew this was going to happen. He told his parents on his way out the door, I knew you would never understand. And he left with a bag packed with his clothes and some other stuff. Now the parents didn't know what to do. And they started asking their friends if anyone has any advice. And one of them said to go to the Holy Rebbe, Great Tzaddik, Rabbi Yeshua of Bells, the Belzer Rebbe, go and ask him for advice and for a bracha. And so they traveled to Bells. And they had to wait a few days until they could see the Rebbe. And finally, they're standing in front of the Rebbe. They tell him about their son, Yankov. He was a good boy. He grew up, never caused any trouble. And then one day, he comes home and he tells his parents he doesn't want to be religious anymore. He doesn't believe God cares about him. He doesn't even believe that God exists. And now, not only that, he's going to marry the Shiksa. He's going to marry the pharmacist's daughter. And we don't know what to do, Rebbe. Please, you have to help us. So the Rebbe was quiet for a few minutes, closed his eyes and thought. And then he opens his eyes and he says to the parents, You have to love your son. He needs love. And the father says to the Rebbe, Sure, we love our son, of course, but we can't have a heretic in our house. And the Rebbe said, You need to strengthen yourselves. Invite him to come back home and ask him to please not do any transgressions in front of you. And just trust in Hashem. And don't worry, I promise you, everything will work out. So the parents shrug their shoulders and they say, Okay, Rebbe, if you say so, that's what we'll do. But just before they left, the Rebbe said, Please, if you can, tell your son to please come here because I have a present for him. And tell him it's a present for his wedding. So the parents went back. And in the meantime, Yankiv didn't have an easy time. At first he went to his new friends and he stayed there for a couple of weeks. But they hinted that he was overstaying his welcome. So he rented a room. But after a week, he ran out of money and he couldn't ask his future bride for money. So he started sleeping on park benches in the streets. And when his parents came back and found him sleeping on a park bench, they said to him, Yankiv, we're sorry. We went to the Belzer Rebbe and the Rebbe said for you to come back home. We shouldn't have kicked you out of the house. But please, Yankiv, don't do any transgressions in front of us. Yankiv, who was really suffering, being homeless, he was very happy to come back home. And he agreed. And a few weeks later, Shlaimi, the father, told his son that he was going to the Belzer Rebbe and would he mind coming with him to the Rebbe just to meet him one time. He said the Rebbe had told him that he has a present for Yankiv for his wedding. And Yankiv figured, you know what, I don't have anything to lose. I'm confident in my decision to give up a life of Torah and mitzvot and embrace a life of philosophy and culture and science. I can stand in front of the Rebbe. He tells his father, sure, I'll come with you. And a few days later, Yankiv was standing in front of the Rebbe, and he was so used to having his father, who used to be angry, but now was so sweet and kind to him, he forgot that the Rebbe might not be as nice as his father. He thought to himself, Oy vey, the Rebbe, he's going to really give it to me. He's going to tell me not to get married. And he was kind of regretting going to the Rebbe, but then the Rebbe surprised him. The Rebbe welcomed him very kindly. He gave him lots of blessings. And he said, Mazel tov on your future wedding. The Rebbe said, I know that you're no longer religious and you're involved in the secular world. And you know the secular world is a dog-eat-dog world and it can eat you up alive. And Yankov said, Rebbe, you know a lot about the world. And the Rebbe said, so because I know what the secular world is like, I want to give you a present, Yankov, a present for your wedding, something that will protect you always. 
and he handed him a small package. After Yankov and his father left the Rebbe's room, they open the package. They see that it's a talit katan, a small undergarment with tzitziot on each of the four corners that you wear under your shirt. And Yankov looks at it and he says, okay, very nice. Takes it, puts it in the pocket of his coat. And he was grateful that the Rebbe didn't really give it to him like he was expecting. And a few weeks later, the day of the wedding arrived. Yankov was thinking about that talit katan. And he said, you know what? Maybe the Rebbe's right. Maybe I should wear it under my clothes. It'll protect me as the Rebbe's blessing. And so before he put on his tuxedo and his top hat and his white gloves for the wedding, he first put on his little tzitziot. And the parents, of course, were heartbroken. Here their son was going through with the wedding. They couldn't prevent it. What a tragedy. But the one thing that comforted them is that the Rebbe didn't seem worried at all. He promised them that everything would be fine. But Shlomi and Gittel couldn't sleep that night. Of course, they didn't go to the wedding, and they were sitting up late at night talking with one another, when at three o'clock in the morning, the door burst open. And Yankiv came walking in. His clothes were torn. His face was bloody and swollen. And it was clear that he was drunk. And the parents didn't understand what was going on. He went over to the sink and kept washing his face with cold water. And then he sat down on a chair explained to his parents what happened. He said, after the ceremony, we started drinking and dancing. And this crowd really knew how to drink. And things got pretty crazy. And at some point, some of them started cursing out the Jews. I thought these people didn't care about the Jews. But I was wrong. They blamed the Jews for everything. And at first, I thought I knew my bride's family. I didn't imagine they were anti-Semites and their friends. And I figured it would just die down. But then, one of them noticed one of the strings of the tzitziot that I was wearing was sticking out under my shirt. And he grabs it and he says, what is this? And I said to him, oh, it's nothing, just an undergarment. But he said, no, this is what Jews wear. You're a Jew? None of us even knew you were a Jew. And they started punching me and calling me names. And honestly, it's a miracle that I made it back home. He said to his parents, what a mistake. Here I thought that they loved me for who I was, but it was just because they didn't even know that I was a Jew. And after that, of course, Yankiv gave his wife a divorce. They'd only been married for one day. And he slowly started keeping mitzvot again. And he always wore the Rebbe's tzitziot because he said later on in life, when he was already married to a Jewish woman and had his children, he would say the Rebbe's vision was so far the Rebbe truly gave me a garment that protected me in the crazy secular world out there. If it weren't for those tzitziot, I might have left my people forever. I might have left Yiddishkeit forever. And there were many people like Yankov in those days, many people who assimilated and left the religion. And whenever somebody would ask, what do we do with our son? People would tell them, go to this guy Yankov. And Yankov would give the wayward son pair of tzitziot. He had piles of them just waiting for someone to come. And he said, I'm giving you these tzitziot with the blessing of the Belzer Rebbe. You just keep it in your pocket and you keep it near you. And I promise you, these tzitziot will protect you just like they protected me.
I have one more short story for you. This is a story told by the Rebbe Rayatz, the sixth Lubavitcher Rebbe. It was Friday afternoon, and a wealthy businessman and his wagon driver had just come home from a very long business trip. And since it was almost Shabbos, the wealthy businessman ran back home, grabbed his towel, and went to the local mikveh. And then he changed into his finest Shabbos clothes and started walking to shul. And as he was walking, he came across a wagon that was stuck in the mud. And being a Jew that took himself seriously, he knew the mitzvah of when you see your fellow struggling to help him carry his load. And so he went over and started helping the wagon driver. But he was a wealthy businessman. He wasn't used to doing manual labor. He was quickly covered with mud from head to toe. His Shabbos clothes were ruined. And he even hurt himself when he was trying to get the wagon out of the mud. And finally, the wagon is out of the mud. And he gets to shul just seconds before Shabbos, limping and covered in mud. Meanwhile, his wagon driver, who had dropped off the wealthy businessman, went and parked the wagon, put the horses away, and then he himself also went to the mikvah. But he got to shul early, and he started saying Tehillim, saying Psalms. And the shul was full that Shabbos with many visitors from out of town. And so after davening, the wagon driver started inviting them to his Shabbos meal. Every stranger he met, he invited, until he had invited ten people to his Shabbos meal. And after davening, the Gabbai wanted to divide the guests amongst all the people there, but there was no one left, because the simple wagon driver had invited them all himself. And so the wealthy man, who normally would take many guests, had no guests to invite, while the poor wagon driver had a huge table filled with guests. And so here, the wealthy businessman was doing the mitzvah of you shall surely help your fellow by helping the wagon driver get out of the mud. And the poor wagon driver was doing the mitzvah of hosting guests. And after 120 years, when the two of them had reached the end of their time in this world, their souls went up to the heavenly court, and it was decided that both souls had to go back down again because they had failed the purpose that they were created for. It was meant to be that the wagon driver would help the other wagon driver get out of the mud, while the wealthy Jew would take all of the guests from out of town. And when the Rebbe Bayats finished telling the story, he would say, You see, every person in this world is given their own special shlichut, their own mission from Hashem to do. And the person has to be careful to make sure that they figure out what their shlichut is so that they don't by mistake end up doing someone else's. And you know, in the old days, we used to have rebbies where you could go to the Baal Shem Tov and he would tell you exactly what you needed to be doing. You simply went and did it. Also with the last Lubavitcher Rebbe, if you told someone to go somewhere or do something, you had no doubt that you were doing the right thing. But these days, my friends, we don't have tzaddikim and rebbe's like that. And we have to figure things out, kind of on our own. And I've spent many, many years trying to figure out what am I supposed to be doing in this world, so that when I get up to the heavenly court, they don't tell me that I did someone else's shlichut. And it's one of the reasons that I have this podcast, my sweetest friends, because this is one of my jobs in this world, and leading the davening and shul, and having guests on Shabbos, and teaching Hasidus, and probably other things that I don't even remember. So I bless all of you, and please bless me back, my sweetest friends, that all of us finds our particular shlichut, our special mission in this world. And it might be more than one thing, and it might be a new thing. It might have been something that you did for many years. Now there's something new for you to do. Whatever it is, take on as much as you can. Do as many mitzvot as possible. 
בעזרת השם, we should be able to do it in good health, בשמחה, with true joy. Amen! Thank you so much for listening, my sweetest friends. I want to thank all the supporters of the podcast for all of their contributions. Everybody that sends in a contribution should know it's really, really appreciated and used right away, normally to pay for the Shabbos meals and all the guests we have on Shabbos. I'm dedicating this episode in honor of my daughter, Avigail, who just turned 17, and she's a bright light in my life. In the merit of all the Rebbes and all the Rebetzins and all the Tzadikim that I've told stories about, May she continue to grow up the Torah, the Chupa, the Maasim Tovim. And may all of you, my sweetest friends, be blessed as well. And may we merit, Be'ezrat Hashem, to hear good news in all of the areas of your lives and my life. And until next week, my sweetest friends, have a Chodesh Tov, a good month, and a good Shabbos, and Zai Gesund. If you're still here, my sweetest friends, I wrote a post for the Times of Israel recently called 10 Difficult Questions, 10 Easy Answers, where I answer really 12 very difficult questions that Jews are being asked today about the situation over here in Israel. And I put a link in the description. Please take a look. It's there to help give more confidence to Jews in answering people that have difficult questions. I write there, the hypocrisy of the world might not change, but your confidence in supporting Israel can. So please take a look, my sweetest friends.